Welcome to another edition weekend with Coach P on Uptempo Sports 24-7. We appreciate you joining us. And I just thought this was the perfect song for the opening of this session because there are a few coaches that are feeling the heat right now. One in college basketball, one in college football. We're going to start in college basketball with Coach Greg McDermott, head coach at Creighton University. As as we always say, the more things change, the more things stay the same. With all the racial uproar, all the marches for racial equality, For racial justice, we still have in this society people who still don't get it. And it's a shame that in this particular sequence that you have a coach, someone supposed to be leader, a leader of men that is displaying ignorance when it comes to a statement that was made. Coach McDermott made a statement to his players after a loss that he said to them that they must stay on the plantation. I don't know in what universe where that analogy has ever been used in sports. I've never even heard of that terminology. I am a basketball coach myself and you are supposed to be a leader of men regardless of race or background. You have a job to do. You have a duty as a coach to set an example and for him to come out and make this statement was literally absurd. Not only was it absurd, it was ridiculous and how you can come out as a coach or as a person in general and say that you made a mistake and if it wasn't for your players coming to your defense then you would have stepped down I don't believe that for a second I don't believe that you would have just initially stepped down from your position as a coach I don't even believe that if someone didn't leak this information that it would even been revealed. Someone in that locker room, one of those players should have said something, but I get why they probably didn't say something directly to him. But to come out and say after the fact that you would have stepped away from that position, had your players not come to your defense. I don't believe that for a second. And the administration They moved in swiftly to acknowledge the fact that I'm not even going to say that it was a mistake. They acknowledged the fact that he was wrong because it wasn't a mistake. You can't make that type of a mistake because 
a mistake is made when you do something that's unintentional. To me, that was just ignorant. How do you come up with an analogy of your players having to play better and, and, and staying together as a team with an analogy of them staying on the plantation? I, I, I really don't know where you can search within yourself to explain to anyone who has common sense how that analogy works in the course of life or in the course of what we're talking about as a basketball team. I think that he should not be allowed to coach the rest of this season. And I think he should be suspended for at least the beginning of next season. I'm not sitting here saying that he should be needs to be fired per se, but there needs to be a, a, um, a review of past practices. There needs to be a review of why he felt that this connotation that he made was acceptable until someone pointed out to him that it wasn't. I don't know anything about Coach Greg McDermott. And, but I do know this. As a basketball coach, you have to set an example for young men because they look to you for leadership. How can you be a leader of men if you yourself aren't a leader? If you yourself are ignorant to what is going on in your surroundings, in life, how can you then try to help young men that are still searching for searching for what life is offering to them and what life sometimes brings to them? How can you lead them in the right direction when you come out and make a statement like this? There is no justification for why this statement was made. There was no semblance to why this statement should have been made. And if I am a parent of a basketball player, of a young man that's thinking about a school, Creighton would not be on my list at all. Even if they offered me a scholarship, they would not be on my list of schools that I'm thinking about attending as long as Greg McDermott is the head coach. Now, I know a lot of people want to say, well, that's being kind of harsh. Everybody deserves a second chance. I'm, I'm not arguing with the idea that someone can make a mistake and you don't deserve a second and that you should not be allowed to make a mistake. I'm not saying that. We're all human and we we may fall short sometime of expectations. We may make a mistake. We may say the wrong thing. But when you're not aware, you're not justly aware of what is going on before your eyes, what we saw with the insurrection that occurred back in January with the racial undertones that we just experienced with Donald Trump before he left office for four years and you as a basketball coach come out and you make this type of reference, I'm sorry, you you can't get a pardon from me. You you can't get a, yes, I think he deserves a second chance. You can't get that from me because that just shows that you are not aware or you choose not to be in tune to what's going on. And I'm sure that with everything that went on over the course of Donald Trump's 
time in office that something had to come up in discussion, especially within the last year and a half that he served his term with all the things that were going on in our society. I'm sure that some type of discussion had to been had between you and your basketball team. And for you to use this as a point of reference about the team trying to stay together during hard times. And this is the only thing that you can find as your point of reference. I'm sorry, that's just ignorant. And that just shows that you are not aware. And if you're not aware of what's going on in life, then I don't need you to be someone for my son to be under as a person that I'm going to lay my trust in because you're going to fail them. And in this world that has its ups and downs and enough struggles, I don't need someone who is not going to be in a position to be able to help my son to progress forward, not only in his basketball career, but forward in life. Parents have the trust of coaches or they're trusting coaches when they send their kids to these universities and colleges to look out for the well-being of their child. Not just coach them in whatever sport they're playing in, but to also have their well-being in mind. And I'm sorry if I sound a bit harsh, but it's no way in the world that this guy has could have your son's well-being in mind with this type of mentality. Especially if he's talking about being on a plantation and you have a team of black athletes. I'm sorry, you, you can't have my child's best interests at heart if you're using that terminology about sticking together as a team. That's just not possible. And for me, as a black man, and also being a coach myself, who has had diversification in the type of players that I have coached, you you can't have this type of mentality. There's there's no way this this mentality should should be allowed in a locker room. There's no way this mentality should be allowed on a campus because it's bad enough that we had a man who was was supposed to be in the office of the highest level leading the country and we saw what type of leadership skills he displayed for four years we saw what type of rhetoric he was spewing for four years we saw the hatred that he casted out for four years and that's why it's so refreshing to now have the administration that we have in office with president biden And then you have this on a college campus with all the things that have been going on through a pandemic, through, again, like I said, all the racial things that have occurred over the last year and a half to two years that have been really prevalent, people losing their lives because of the color of their skin. And then you have this man who's supposed to be leading young men come out and make this statement. I'm sorry, this is that was not a mistake that. If you want to sit and say if it's a Freudian slip, then that just tells me that this was something that's been on your mind. And you can't tell me this is the first time that you've referenced this 
that you've used this analogy, maybe not to your team, but you've used this before. You've used a racial undertone before. This was not your first time on the this was not your first time using this. Because again, like I said, I've never used, I've never heard this analogy used ever in my life. And I've been fortunate to be here for 54 years, and I've never heard that used as an analogy in any circumstance. So I'm sorry, but that was not a mistake. And I think that not only should he be suspended, he should be suspended without pay. I don't know if they have him on paid administrative leave. I know that he was suspended from all activities for the end of the season, but I hope that he's not getting paid. And this should carry on at least until the first part of next season, as far as I'm concerned. And he should be on watch. And if this happens again, then he should be relieved of his duties as a head coach because we don't need this. We have enough issues in our society. We don't need someone who's supposed to be a leader of men, of young men, spewing this type of information. It's just unacceptable. And I'm sorry, but I can't find anything that he could say or do at this particular point to make me change my mind about this form of action is just absolutely ridiculous we're going to also talk about Les Miles Les Miles the head football coach at Kansas University remember Les Miles was the coach at LSU and apparently there was some improprieties that occurred when he was the head football coach at LSU with some female students that was kept under wraps because I can't imagine and I know you can't see me because I'm on the airwaves I'm doing air quotes right now I can't imagine that Kansas University's administration would have ever hired Les Miles if they knew about the improprieties and the actions that he had with female students while at LSU as the head football coach. I can't imagine that Kansas would have hired him had they known that this dark cloud was above his head. It's ridiculous. And, and this is why I, I made a statement yesterday talking about sometimes we have to, as people who support, people who support sports and are sports advocates, that we sometimes have to pull back and just look at the reality of life sometimes. Because if we do that, then we don't get caught up and we can have a clear picture and a clear way that we look at things. And there's no reason why, if this was what happened at LSU, that Les Miles should have been given his job at Kansas. Now, I know Kansas is not a football powerhouse like LSU was in the SEC, and Kansas has not been has never been that successful football wise. But it's the principles that you have to look at. And if Les Miles had a situation at LSU that was inappropriate with some LSU female students, then again, like I said, whatever LSU did in regards to 
any type of punishment or settlement should have been revealed and should have been well documented publicly so that if Les Miles was in a position to try to get another job, his next employer would be aware of exactly what had occurred. This is ridiculous. And this is the reason why sports is the way that it is in college with scandals that go on, with improprieties of money being passed underneath the table, with the reason why you can't sometimes have a clear landscape of what is right and what is wrong because universities and colleges are only worried about their bottom line, which is how can we help our program to win? Who can we get in here that's going to give us the caveat to give us an opportunity to win? And like I said, because Kansas has not been that program, relatively speaking, with football, and of course you had Les Miles who had a big, big name. He is a championship winning coach from a outstanding football school in LSU. Then they bypass everything. They look the other way. I'm still not convinced that they didn't know something or hadn't heard something. I just think that they put their head in the sand and buried it, hoping that it would not surface. Well, as they always say, what happens in the dark will come to the light eventually. And this story has come. And I think that Kansas is going to have to figure out a way to get from out of this situation. Does that mean that they fire less miles? I don't know. Because, again, I guess you would have to read the report of exactly what occurred when he was at LSU to determine as an administration if this is something that you can bypass, if this is something that you can sign off on going forward. And if it's not, then you have to do the right thing and dismiss Les Miles. We'll look to see exactly what happens with this situation, with both of these situations, especially, in my opinion, the Greg McDermott situation. That's the one I'm more interested in at this particular point. Let's move on from my rant and the negativity that we started this with. And let's talk about something positive. And let's let's talk about what's going on in college basketball as we are preparing for conference championships, but we have to finish out the regular season. And so North Carolina, for those of you who have tuned in and listened to Uptempo Sports, you know that I am a big North Carolina Tar Heels fan. And I would be remiss if I did not apologize to the Tar Heels, especially Coach Roy Williams, for acknowledging that last weekend when North Carolina came back from that 16-point deficit to Florida State and was able to get that win at home, that Roy Williams captured his 900th win as a collegiate coach. He joined a very prestigious and small list, him becoming the fourth coach, to have 900 wins on his resume. He joins a class of Coach K, Bobby Knight, and Jim 
but <clears throat> from Syracuse, Coach Bohank, Coach from Syracuse. I'm sorry, Jim Bayham, folks. Sorry for the um, mispronunciation of Coach Bayham's name. I guess I'm still a little salty about the fact that Syracuse turned back around and that Monday, then they beat my Tar Heels and put them in a precarious situation of having to win a couple of more games in order for them to stay afloat for the NCAA tournament. Well, I think that they answered the bell, even though they um, after they um, beat Florida State, we told you they came back and they lost to Syracuse. But they were able to get redemption on senior night last night at home as they throttled the Duke Blue Devils. And they put the Blue Devils in arm's way of not making the NCAA tournament. They got a great performance on senior night from their team. And I told you Carolina has been up and down most of the season. But Garrison Brooks... On senior night, 18 points. He showed the heart of a champion last night. He played very well after starting this game and um, had an ankle injury. Wasn't sure how that was going to affect him, but he get, went out the game for a few minutes, came back in, and he played as if he had not been out at all. He played inspired basketball, and so did that entire team. So I think that Carolina will be a 10th seed in the NCAA tournament. I think as long as they, even if they don't win a game in the ACC tournament, which which will be um, starting this week, as long as they don't go out in an embarrassing fashion, I think it's safe to say that they will get into the NCAA tournament probably as a temp seed. Duke, on the other hand, after that 18-point loss last night and getting swept by Carolina this year, I think that they would have to win, in my opinion, they would have to win the ACC in order for them to get in. I don't see how else they get into this tournament. They have, down the stretch, these last three to four games, they have not looked good. This game against Carolina was their first game all season where they got beat by double digits. Even as bad as their season was, they had maintained some sense of respectability in regards to not getting blown out. But this game was over from start to finish. Carolina came out of the blocks fast and furious, and Duke never could get on solid ground. Um, And so just wanted to say congratulations to Coach Roy Williams, like I said, capturing his 900th career win against Florida State last weekend. And not only did he capture his 900th career win, he did it the fastest of any of the three other coaches that he is now in a class by themselves. Roy did it in 1,161 games. The next closest person to him was Coach K, who did it in 1,183 games. Congratulations to Coach Roy Williams. Congratulations to the Tar Heels for that big win last night. And hopefully they can play respectable again this week in the ACC tournament. And maybe, even maybe, when they get into the field of the NCAA, maybe they'll be lucky enough to win maybe one or two games. We'll see. 
They got nice play from the guards last night. Caleb Love, the freshman that we told you about, again, he had a really good game. First time he played Duke, he hit 25 points. Last night he had 18 and 8 assists. He played well last night against Duke, and that was the catalyst for why Carolina won this game so impressively. So we go on, and we told you about Michigan winning the Big Ten, but then Michigan turns around and loses to Michigan State. After they just blew Michigan State out last <clears throat> beginning of the week, they in turn turn back around and lose to Michigan State. After Michigan State looked like they were on resuscitation status after dropping their last few games, the last game we saw Michigan State play was against Maryland, and they didn't look impressive at all. And so for them to come out and be able to beat Michigan was very impressive. So we'll see if that, along with a couple of wins in the Big Ten tournament, will get Coach Tom Izzo an invitation to the NCAA. We'll just have to wait and see. We told you about Baylor winning their first conference championship regular season since 1950. Remember, Baylor was one of those teams that was experiencing all the COVID protocols and games being canceled or postponed. And for them to do what they were able to do was an amazing run. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they only lost one game all season long at the very best, maybe two. I think it was two games they lost. But either way, it was an impressive season for them, regular season, considering all the obstacles that they had to overcome. So I want to say congratulations to that Baylor basketball team. want to also say congratulations to Oklahoma State. We told you about their freshman, their freshman sensation, Kay Cunningham. Well, Kay was not able to play yesterday, but they still got a big win without the services of their best player. And so unless they are not going to get into the NCAA tournament because of NCAA violations i think that we will get to see k cunningham on a big stage so we're hoping that oklahoma state will get into the tournament because again if you have not seen k cunningham play you are missing out on a treat so we're hoping that whatever possible ncaa infractions that they may be looking at that they won't take place this season with the freshman sensation having an opportunity to shine if they are allowed to get into the tournament we are going to uh, step away from college basketball. We told you that the all the tournaments will start this week, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12. All the tournaments will start this week. Um, and then the following week we'll have the, um, well, I should say on Sunday, we should have the um, NCAA um, release show coming up to tell you what teams are going to make it into the tournament because March Madness will begin, if I'm not mistaken, on March 18th this year. So we look forward to that because we missed that last year because we had just gotten hit by the pandemic and everything had to be shut down. So we are greatly looking forward to um, the conference tournaments and of course we're looking forward to March Madness. But before we uh, take a break 
here on Uptempo Sports. Just want to say this. Sports is changing right before our eyes, especially basketball. Basketball has always been a global game, and they've been trying to find ways to even expand the game. The NBA has been doing it. They've been trying to figure out how to expand to get. They have not made a decision about the one and done yet. I think that will come in the next CBA. I'm thinking by at least 2022 or maybe 2023, I think the NBA will decide to let players come straight from high school and walk to the NBA. But until that time comes, there is an organization that is looking to make available to high school players an alternative in regards to being able to earn some money if they decide that the environment that they're in, so far as basketball in high school, is not an environment where they feel like that they can propel themselves to the next level. And what we have is the digital media group overtime using their power of social media in a digital digital age to form what is called Overtime Elite. And what Overtime Elite is, is a new league that has been established and will take place this fall in September for emerging high school players who want to bypass going to high school, just regular high school, and have an opportunity to play in an elite league of potential players who could possibly bypass college and play in the NBA. What this league is going to offer is to those elite basketball players an opportunity to earn about $100,000. So you're talking about young men between the ages of 16, I think it's 16 and 18 years old. These are high school students who would play in this elite league. Not only are they going to be playing basketball, but they're also going to be getting trained. They're also going to be getting um, taught. They're going to have private um, schooling. And the way this league is being set up, it's it's a professional league for high schoolers because they're bringing in highly touted professors or teachers. They're bringing in professional um, coaches, not professional coaches, but coaches who have the aptitude in helping these players to not only get better as players, but then they have the opportunity for them to get better as people as well. And they're going to have 
instructors that are going to be there for them for health and nutrition. It's almost like they're going to be professionals. And this is something that is groundbreaking from the standpoint of the NBA established the G League. And so we saw this past year where Jalen Green bypassed college to go to the G League. He earned $500,000. He wasn't the only player to go into the G League. There were a couple of other highly talented guys that would have been freshmen that decided to go into the G League. And this is going to be the new wave because you know what? These young athletes are understanding that by going to high school or going to college, they can't earn a salary. The NCAA is still at this particular point mulling over the idea of players being paid. And you see that through means of investments and people who have gathered together and put their knowledge together, have created an opportunity for young men to live out their dream, which is to try to pursue a professional career. But not just throw them them into a league without any guidance. They're setting this up as if this is a bona fide league. They're setting this up as that this this is this is a business. Overtime Elite has started this. If I was doing some research, it's like they started this process uh, back in 2019 on a smaller scale up in New York. And the investors and the and the uh, the uh, co-founders of this league, co-founders of this organization, have got people on board like Carmelo Anthony. They have a board of trustees. They have Kevin Durant as an investor. They have some NBA people who are are lending their influences. They are going out, like I said, they're reaching out to uh, teachers. They're reaching out to nutritionists. They're reaching out to financial people. These are the type of things. This this is a bona fide organization. This is a bona fide league that they are starting. And they, they are looking for this to be successful. And they're looking for this to help. These young men who have the dream of becoming a professional basketball player at some point in their life. They're also upset, also setting up a college, uh, college funds and scholarships for these young men if they decide that they want to pursue after being in their school and they want to pursue going to college as a uh, avenue if they don't feel like that they're ready to try to pursue a professional career in the NBA or overseas. I think that this is something that has been in the making for some time in regards to the way that people have been thinking. I just don't think that, first of all, you have to have the means to do it. You can have the wherewithal and the idea, but you have to have the support system behind you. And the support system that you have to have behind you is the financial part. And they apparently have the finances, like I said, with the investors that they have, with the company using their company, their plat their um their platform, they have generated, if I'm not mistaken, I think they said they've generated about forty to sixty million dollars that they're working with in regards to getting everything in place. So this is this is 
groundbreaking if they can pull this off. And they're going to start with, of course, boys basketball. And they have the idea of potentially maybe trying to do this with the uh, best high school girls basketball players as well. But they're going to they're just using this as a test with the boys first. It sounds like they have a really good plan in place. It sounds like some, this is something that has been, like I said, it's been in the works for at least a year and a half to two years. And it sounds like that they have done all their research, their marketing for this to make this work. I would like to see how this does work. Because at the end of the day, you know, just like I know, there are a lot of basketball players out here, students out here that are not really true students. They're playing and trying to get through the motions of school because they know that's the only way that they can succeed in order for them to be able to get to college on a scholarship. A lot of people just are not built to go to college. And it's nothing saying that they're throwing away an opportunity to be educated because from this league, they're still going to do their due process to educate these young men. But I think if you have them in an environment where they're focused in on what it is that they want to do i think the learning process for the things that they need to equip themselves with going forward in life it's easier for them to take hold of that and want to do it when they are focused in on potentially looking at the career that they want to have and and that's totally different from the mindset of i've got to go to school just in order for me to maintain the grades that I need so that I can play. In this situation, they're giving them an opportunity to come into this league and say, hey, we know that you are the cream of the crop. And we know for a lot of you, this may be your out of the environment that you're in. And so we just want to provide a more realistic and professional way in which you can get to your ultimate goal not some want to be we just throw it together lee but something that is going to help you we're going to provide you with all the tools that you need to be successful not just in the basketball arena but in life as well i'm looking forward to seeing how this does and i'm hoping that it does well because at the end of the day we need to stop trying to make it seem like that these kids are not professionals they are professionals they're just not getting paid all the money that I've, I've said this in the past all the money that these schools generate from getting into the ncaa tournament for their schools off the back of these kids and these kids get nothing at all you go buy a kid a soda in a recruiting process you're looking at recruiting violations kids bring in the ncaa tournament is a billion-dollar tournament within itself. Schools get millions and millions of dollars for participating in March Madness, and these kids get nothing. And I always hear this argument, they're on scholarship. For those of you who have ever attended college, whether it was on scholarship athletically or you just were a student, you know how hard it is to be on campus as a student away from home and not having any money. You also know how hard it is to try to find a job. It's probably a little bit easier now than it was for me. Um, but you know, most students don't want to be working um, if they're going to college, especially the athletes. It's how are they going to get a job if they're if they're 
going to school, supposed to be taking classes, and they are participating in a sport that they have been given a scholarship for. It's just impossible. And so I say all that to say that if this league can do what it is setting itself up to try to do, this will change the way we look at basketball all the way around. And as much as we talk about that students have to get an education, well, if this new league can set it up and give us a blueprint for how these athletes can propel themselves and get what they need, which is a foundation for moving forward in life, this is going to be a game changer on so many levels. So I just wanted to acknowledge what uh, the social digital social media um, entrepreneurs of overtime have done and are doing and wish them nothing but success. And the young men that are going to join this league, I wish them nothing but success and hope that um, we will see something defiant in the decisions that these kids are making and that they understand the opportunity that is going to be before them and they take full advantage of it. And and to me, this way, if you have something like this, then kids can't be taken advantage of because it seems like you have them in a controlled environment and you're giving them, like I said, the weapons that they need, or I should say the tools that they need, not only to be successful on the basketball court, but also in life with also bringing in tutors and bringing in teachers to 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 teach them and show them um, about finances, about life skills. These are the type of things that you don't always get when you're just in regular high school. And I can say that and I was a and I was a good student in high school. But some of the things that you do when you're in school don't prepare you for life itself. And if these if this organization is going to give these players a different set of guidance that's going to help them in their future, I think this, like I said, I think this can be groundbreaking. I think this can be a game changer. So I wish this organization, I look forward to seeing how this goes um, with um, Overtime Elite um, as they begin this process. So we're going to take a small commercial break. Then we're going to come back and we're going to definitely talk about NBA All-Star. That starts this evening and give you a little uh, breakdown of the rosters and also start talking about potential player movement as we get closer to the trade deadline in the NBA. You are listening to Uptempo Sports 24-7. We appreciate you tuning in. We're going to take a small break and we will be right back. Welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with Coach P. And we wanted to get you ready for 
the All-Star Game. It's not really All-Star Weekend because all the All-Star events actually took place or are going to take place today on Sunday. But had to get you get you in the mood with Lil John. Yeah! For All-Star Weekend, or I should say All-Star Day festivities. And the biggest event here at All-Star Weekend, of course, is the basketball game. So we wanted to give you a perspective of the two teams. Of course, you know that you had Team LeBron, Team Durant, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. They were your captains. They were the two highest voted players. They are your captains. You know, KD won't be playing in this game because he's been out with a hamstring injury for the latter of the last six games for the Brooklyn Nets. LeBron has been a willing participant. He's been able to sustain even in his 18th year. Uh, with Anthony Davis being out his running mate, LeBron has carried the load and the weight for the L.A. Lakers, the defending champions. Um, he missed the last game prior leading up to this all-star weekend but he said he wanted to make sure he was fresh he'd been dealing with some soreness in the ankle and so we're going to have LeBron ready for this game um LeBron on his team would be it's going to be uh Giannis Steph Curry Luka Doncic Nikola Jokic the Joker from Denver Dame Time Dame Lillard Ben Simmons, we'll talk about Ben Simmons in a minute. Chris Paul, Jalen Brown of the Celtics, Paul George, Rudy Gobert will be with Team LeBron. Then with KD's team, you are going to have Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, who's having a MVP type of season. We're going to get back to Joel Embiid. You got Kyrie Irving. You've got James Harden. You've got Zion Williamson, Julius Randle making his first appearance, Zion making his first appearance. Um, Nikola Vucevic from Orlando. We're going to talk about him too. Donovan Mitchell. We're going to talk about him. Um, Devin Booker was supposed to be in this game, but due to an injury, Devin Booker was replaced by Mike Conley. Mike Conley, folks, in his 14th season is making his first all-star appearance. Not only is Mike Conley taking Devin Booker's place in this all-star lineup, but he's also taking Devin Booker's place in the three-point shooting contest as well. So congratulations to Mike Conley because he's had a really good career, and this gives him the first opportunity to show you how good he is. Um, we've seen him play for Memphis. He's been been that guy for Utah along with um, Donovan Mitchell. But now we get to see that displayed on national TV. I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me for leaving out um, the all-star and leading scorer of the NBA, one Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill, of course, leading scorer in the NBA. He's been doing his thing. Also, um, the Amante Sabonis is also in in, in his um, second All-Star game from the Indiana Pacers. So wanted to acknowledge them as well. Let's get back to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. 
the two All-Stars from the Philadelphia 76ers, unfortunately will not be participating in this game. Apparently, they came in contact with someone who had tested positive for COVID. Now, I don't know if that happened prior to them leaving Philadelphia or if that happened last night. Now, the mayor of Atlanta had asked people, please don't come to her city and throw parties or come to the city expecting to be a part of any kind of NBA All-Star Weekend celebration because of the fact that although, you know, we know the vaccine is now in place and people are trying to get vaccinated, you still have cases of COVID going around. And so the mayor was asking people to take precautions because of what's going on in our world. Well, if anybody, if you tuned into any of the, there were parties that were being held last night, probably on Friday as well, but definitely last night. And I don't know exactly where this party happened at, but it had to be, it had to be at least a thousand people, if not more, in this place. And I didn't see a mask on anybody. They were partying like rock stars. There was no mask to be seen from anyone. And this is the problem is that you've had some cities and Atlanta was one of those cities back when the pandemic hit last year that left their city opened up um, was one of the cities that President Trump at that time, former President Trump at that time was saying that he wanted to see that city opened up and they did. And so, you know, if you saw if you saw or if you go on and look, you'll see that people were partying over the weekend in Atlanta like everything was everything, like it was just normal circumstances. And that's what the NBA was afraid of. And that's what fans were afraid of. And that's what a lot of people were. And a lot of the NBA players were afraid of was that if we have this all star game. Um, we're going to be on lockdown or if we're not on lockdown and somebody decides to go out, what's the probability of somebody coming in contact with somebody that could possibly have COVID? And, you know, we understand that this is a business for the NBA. They have money that has to be made. They have to, um, they have, you know, they have bottom lines. They have owners who have to make their money as well. We understand that. But I think this was one of the skepticisms about having an all-star game because there was no way that you could stop all the other activities from going on and I think that's what um, people were afraid of that if you have them come to your city and especially a city like Atlanta that's wide open with the number of people that are there that there was going to be parties there were going to be things that just could not be stopped and you would have this situation and so now Again, like I said, we found out that Joel Embiid, the all-star from the 76ers, along with his running mate Ben Simmons, will not be participating in this game because they came in contact with somebody that had tested positive for COVID. Now, hopefully, you know, we don't hear anything else before the game about anybody else having any type of uh, issue. But this is one of the risks that was in play and why you know, people were skeptical about this all-star game even being able to go go on was because of this particular situation. But we know that the NBA players are going to put on a show. Um, 
Like I said, the dunk contest will be at halftime of the game. Um, they're going to have the three-point shooting contest and the um, skills challenge will be prior to the tip-off of um, the All-Star game. The All-Star game will be at 8 p.m. You'll have the the uh, festivities start around 6.30, quarter 7. Um, people were hoping that Zion was going to be in the dunk contest, but just like we've seen with LeBron, since he's been in the league, Zion decided that, you know, he would not um, invest in getting into the dunk contest. So I think we will we'll really have a really good um, showing from the players for the All-Star game. They're playing for a uh, really good cause. They're playing for this weekend represents um, HBCUs, HBCUs. For those who don't know what that stands for, Historically Black Colleges and Universities. Um, are finally getting the attention that they deserve. I'm not saying that they have not been identified before, but we've seen, again, with everything that has been going on in our society with uh, Black Lives Movement and uh, unsettling racial things that have gone on, we've been able to pay more attention to the type of education and everything that's going on with our black colleges and universities. We've been able to see the type of people who have attended black colleges and universities and what they're doing in our society as successful men and women. Um, I can speak on the behalf of uh, my son who actually attended two HBCUs. He went to Morehouse College in Atlanta and he got a degree from Morehouse for computers. Um, um, he uh, majored in computer science and he also got his degree from North Carolina A&T, another historically black college and university. So I am a uh, proud father of a HBCU graduate, so I've seen what an HBCU can do. Although I myself did not attend an HBCU, I can see what it has done and how it um, has been a um, foundational piece for my son. Um, And so um, it's good to see that the proceeds from this game will go towards helping um, HBCUs and other uh, uh, black organizations in the future. Also want to give a shout out to one of the players. He's not in the all-star game, but he is a part of the all-star events. He's in the skill competition. That is um, small forward Robert Covington of the Portland Trailblazers. He is an alum of Tennessee State University, and he has donated um, he donated uh, $25,000 to um doing a broadcast to one of the students for a uh to help for scholarship purposes and he also gave back to his university by donating money to provide them to be able to build a practice facility for the athletes that's where that is um putting your money where your mouth is so i just want to give him a shout out give a shout out to the nba for what they what they're doing for this all-star weekend also give a shout out for this game because you're going to have um, the referees that are going to be in this game are from historically black colleges and universities so want to give a shout out to the three of those referees that will be doing this nba all-star game and i just think it's um really great to see how um far hbcus have come 
over the years, um, everything that they had to go through initially um, from the beginning to where we are now is remarkable. The advancement that has been made by historically black colleges and universities and those could not be done without um, the uh, not just athletes, but alum and uh, other organizations um, writing checks to help for the growth of these schools across the country. So I just want to give a salute to the HBCUs, a salute to the NBA for um, this idea for this weekend with the All-Star Game of just giving back to these HBCUs and allowing students who want to attend HBCUs to continue to have that opportunity because as we've seen, HBCUs have produced great men and great women over the course of time. So we just want to say salute to that. So let's get back into the business of the NBA. And we told you the trade deadline is coming up towards the end of March. I believe it's March the 25th. And so we've already seen where Blake Griffin um, uh, and the Detroit Pistons reached an agreement for a buyout. And it looks like that Blake is going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. So you say to yourself, well, does that help Brooklyn in regards to a that he's not Blake is not that guy anymore in regards to being super athletic, but he will give them another score coming off the bench. Remember, he has history with DeAndre Jordan when they played together um, in L.A. with the L.A. Clippers. Um, he'll also give them, you know, some veteran leadership and he won't have to play a lot of minutes, but he'll give them enough minutes if he's fresher. He will be uh, an upgrade to their second unit because they really don't have anybody on that second unit per se as a true score. So if Blake has anything in the tank, he's going to provide that for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. You have uh, rumors going around about possibly um, Detroit sounding like they, they're going to blow it up in Detroit and maybe after a season where they in the offseason where they signed Jeremy Grant to a nice contract and Jeremy Grant has fulfilled everything for that Detroit Pistons team, it looks like that he may be on a trade block. Now, in my opinion, if I'm Jeremy Grant, you've proven that you can be a go-to guy. You've proven that you can be a legitimate player and other than just a backup, that you are a legitimate starter in this league. And so for a team like the Boston Celtics or a team that's trying to make a playoff run to want to trade for you, that's an upgrade. Now, I know you left Denver because you that was a playoff contender, but you wanted to have a bigger a bigger um, opportunity. With, and that's why you went to Detroit. Now, if you go to Boston, you give the Celtics what they're missing without Gordon Hayward. And I don't think Boston... Honestly speaking, I don't think that they realized how much they were going to miss Gordon Hayward and what he could do as much as um, it appears as though they do. And so this would be a significant move for the Celtics because they need big time scoring coming off that bench. Now, I don't know if Grant would come off the bench for them. He's starting for Detroit. So I can't imagine Boston's going to trade for him and bring him off the bench. Um, but. If they decided to, that would be a you know that would be big time for them 
if they are able to bring him in and they'll figure it out once they get him in. Brad Stevens is still a really good coach in the league and I'm sure that they can figure something out. What I'm trying to figure out is why is the Orlando Magic trying to get rid of um, Vukovic? He is their best player right now. You're talking about a center that's averaging about almost 24 points a game and he's a double-double guy. And I understand that you are not very good right now. I understand that, you know, you have a young team and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. But he is still young enough that he can be a part of your development of your organization. You can't keep trading away all your good players and thinking that you get lottery picks and you can just build around lottery picks. These young players have to develop and grow. We've seen where you've already made picks with the lottery because you've been bad. And those players, those big men have not developed. You have the one big man who is developed and who is an all-star, a three-time all-star. And you're thinking about getting rid of him. If I'm the Celtics, I'm on the phone right now with Orlando trying to figure out what I need to give you in order to get that piece that would be a big major upgrade for the Boston Celtics. And you talk about trying to make a run against a team like the Brooklyn Nets. That's the piece that you need right there. No offense to, to, to Jeremy Grant, but Vukovic is what the Celtics need. They need a rim protector. They need uh, a, a guy that can pull the defense out to the three-point line. He's a skilled big man. That is not that's something they have not had. You know, you can bring you can bring um uh, Jeremy Grant in if you'd like and he can give you you know some scoring and and be able to guard um, a wing player but to me you need somebody in the middle that gives you representation to be like I said a scoring punch and um, a defensive presence and that's what he would do if I'm Orlando I'm not trading him because like I said you have to keep good players at some point and develop them and you've already developed this guy into a good player. He's an all-star. Why would you think about trying to trade him? You need these type of players. Or if I'm Boston, I'm making a phone call to Atlanta because apparently Atlanta doesn't want to pay John Collins at the end of the summer, at the end of this year into the summer. I know he's going to be available, but it's going to cost you at least a first-round draft pick, and then you got to figure out if you want to pay John Collins. To me, John Collins is an up-and-rising young star. I don't know why Atlanta would not want to build around him and Trey Young. But, hey, if you are Boston, you make that phone call to Atlanta as well and see what it would take to get that a player of that caliber. I believe that the Wizards will get phone calls about Bradley Bill. I do not believe that the Wizards will answer those calls. Bradley Bill has told us that he wants to be a part of the, the Wizards organization. He wants to be a part of helping that team to, to possibly get beyond the playoffs and try to build towards the future for a championship. I like his loyalty to the organization, but if I'm Bradley Beal and I have teams that are looking for me to help them get over the hump, teams like the Denver Nuggets or someone um, like the Miami Heat who could possibly be looking at me or um, another playoff contender, I'm going to open myself to say, hey, let me decide about who you potentially could trade me to. I just think Bradley Bill is deserving to play for an organization that is winning. 
considering the season that he's having, the leading scorer in the NBA, his game has been transformative. He has made himself into a complete all-around player, and teams are chopping at the bit for an opportunity to trade for him. I do not believe that the Wizards will trade him this year. They have started to play better um, down the stretch of the first half of the season, and I think they're going to try to they're going to hold steadfast to Bradley Beal along with uh, uh, Mr. Westbrook to try to make a playoff run. Um, another player that you may hear about possibly getting trade traded is one Victor Oladipo. Now we've already seen him get traded from Indiana to Houston. That is not working out. Houston has fallen on their face, and I think that they're going to move Victor. Victor has, in so many words, has already told us that he is interested in going to Miami. So I don't know if the Heat will pull that trade off, or we've also heard rumors about the Knicks looking at Victor. Um, It may be a one-year rental, because I think Victor has his eyes set on going to South Beach. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But it's going to be a lot of movement in the NBA by that trade deadline. And you also have to remember, um, just heard some good news for Portland, that they're going to get the return of their all-star guard back. And that is going to be C.J. McCullough. Now, you all sit here and say, I don't recall C.J. McCullough making an all-star team. C.J. McCullough is an all-star. He may not be on the all-star team, but he has all-star ability. And because the West is so stacked with guards, as is as Mike Conley, he's making his first all-star appearance after 14 years. It's not that Mike Conley hasn't been an all-star caliber guard. He just has a uphill battle to try to break into the all-star lineup with the number of guards that they have in the West. So that's why I said that Portland is looking forward to the return of their all-star guard and one C.J. McCullum. And again, let's give a shout-out to the play of one Carmelo Anthony. Walking bucket. We've also we've all said that Carmelo is a walking bucket, that he, once he found his niche and what he could do, that he was still able to be a good player. And he has shown us that he was willing to come in, find his spot in the rotation with Portland. And he's one of the reasons why, along with Damian Lillard, that Portland has not completely fallen off the cliff with C.J. McCollum being out, along with um, Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simmons. Those young players, along with the leadership of Dame and his talent and Comello, have kept Portland right there at the top of the standings. But the team that has been really moving up has been the Phoenix Suns. That's the team we're going to take a look at in the second half of the season. Hopefully, Devin Booker will be healthy and ready for the second half of the season. Also, expecting the Lakers to uh, bounce back after having um, a couple of losses down the stretch. Looking for them to make a move at the trade deadline. I don't know if they will pull the trigger on trying to get somebody like a um, uh, Mr. Drummond from Cleveland. But maybe they look at trying to get maybe JaVale McGee back or um, even possibly uh, keep hearing rumors about Hassan Whiteside being available from Sacramento. I've heard rumors about Harrison Barnes being available from Sacramento. So we're going to keep an eye on, like I said, I think by the trade deadline, it's going to be a lot of movement in the NBA because you got so many teams fighting, um, getting themselves set for this second half run 
and teams know they're going to have to be loaded especially in the west if they want to make a significant run this season so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but just wanted to give you a a little bit of a insight into all-star weekend we'll talk about the participants and the and the uh if and the um the results of the all-star weekend events on our next episode and we'll also have um some nfl news for you on our next episode so just wanted to um leave you with this is that we know this is we talked about february being black history month and we told you that march is um women's women's history month so you know we talked about um i spoke about um oprah winfrey yesterday and her contributions and i talked about um the first female referee in the NFL that will find her place in September. But I also wanted to make mention of um, our first, not only first woman president, but first woman of, I mean, vice president, but a first woman of color as a vice president, Kamala Harris. She was an H, was an HBCU graduate. She attended Howard University. So I wanted to talk about that in regards to we we talk about how moving forward, the significance of what women and the contributions that they've made in our society. Not just not not going to just sit here. And I I know we say we've already talked about Black History Month. And for me, I'm talking about black women for right now. Um, But there have been a lot of women that have made strides and have made major contributions in our society. But for right now, I'm going to talk about the fact that. We've seen in my time, I've been able to have been fortunate enough to see a black president in um, President Obama. And now I get the opportunity to see a woman of color in Kamala Harris as a vice president. So we are making strides, but we still have a long ways to go. And I think that having seen the way that women are moving this country and to see how impactful black women have been in this country in all shapes and sizes and all forms on every level, uh, from government to entertainment to education. It's remarkable to see what these women are doing. And I just want to salute our vice president because I know that she's going to do a very uh, good job along with um, President Biden in trying to get this country redirected in a positive mood in a positive fashion and and her ability to um, be a leader has already been shown just by what you've seen young women striving to do and what they're doing in regards to being entrepreneurs and them now seeing that they can have a voice after watching what she's done in her short period of time in office. So with that, we just want to say thank you again for tuning in to Uptempo Sports, the weekend edition. We hope that you all enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we look forward to presenting you with more content um, next week. Until then, it's always same bat time, same bat channel. Until the next, peace.